great. So here we are on another episode of Building New Realities, the podcast we run at Future Visual. And I'm delighted today to welcome Walter Davis to the podcast. Walter is Head of Talent and Learning Technology at Agreco. Um, he's also a technology thought leader and strategist, and I myself, on behalf of Future Visual, have had numerous interesting conversations uh, with Walter throughout this year, so I thought it'd be great to have him on the podcast. Walter, thank you for joining us. Thanks for the invite, Tim. Glad, glad to be here. Excellent. Yeah, so when we started the podcast of uh, Building New Realities, it was uh, in a pre-COVID world. Um, so obviously when we talk about building new realities these days, it has a, a lot more significance and relevance, um, to, to the work we do. Um, now from what I understand of, of what you're doing at Greco, why I'm particularly interested, uh, in Greco, uh, is not only do you have a requirement for delivering, uh, excellent training and learning, but also in, in what you do in supplying power to remote sites, replying storage to uh, remote sites is, it is essentially building a new reality. You know, you power things like, um, well, you know, I know you power Glastonbury, you power the Olympics, you power all these kind of really big sites or mini cities that just pop up um, for a short period of time and, and, and essentially allow people to build a new reality. So there's kind of two, two areas there for us to, um, to dis discuss. But yeah, let's start with kind of like the basics. You know, what is your background and how did you uh, end up in this field? Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, so I've started my, um, I guess, journey into this space uh, really probably as uh, an IT professional. Um, I, I ended up working with um, a lot in the airline, automotive, uh, defense sectors. Um, started working really early on in 3D um, with some of those uh, with some with some of those companies. Um, so I've always had some of this, and I've always had a real passion for that whole spatial design, right? Where you're, where you can move things around, move objects around, look at them from different angles, and and go further than you can with a with that flat with a flat screen uh, and a two D image. So I've always had that uh, a real interest and passion for uh, for three D for three D work and um, and and things that happen in that space. Um, yeah, so like I said, I started, I've actually started my career in Germany. I know I'm in the U.S. now, but I started my career in Europe, uh, like I said, working for in, in, in the airline and defense companies, and then um, transitioned over to Agreco, where actually I'd started in Agreco Dubai uh, as their head of talent in uh, learning technologies. And um, recently, uh, well, re I say recently, although I guess it's been a few years now, uh, relocated to uh, Houston, where I am now. Um, and here at Agreco, I guess my main focus is, uh, ha has been really more focused now on the talent and learning technologies, um, as well as I'm the uh, spearheading heading our initiatives for uh, augmented reality and sort of bridging that physical and digital world uh, for some of our employees in, in, in a number of different use cases. Um, so before we dig into those uh, use cases, what, what, pro what products are you working on at Agreco as an organization now? So products, I mean, uh, maybe a little background on our products. Um, so our products, uh, like I said, we, we, we do, as you mentioned, we do power temperature control. Uh, so we power ev everything from, like you mentioned, the large, uh, large events to um, geographic areas, actually chunks of, uh, chunks of, um, of, of an area. So we're really like that utility provider in some instances. Uh, so really high reliability, um, flexibility is really key to a lot of what we offer in our products. Um, I guess play that back now into 
um, obviously into what we need to do to service, um, train, uh, sell and inform people about our products. Uh, <clears throat> or that's where we're starting to see now uh, this, our, our, our use cases and et cetera, expanding into, you know, COVID's come out. Um, we can't, we no longer have this, we, we can no longer just fly wherever we want to. We need to come up with new ways of uh, interacting with both our, our customers, our employees, um, and, and our partners. So. And you mentioned energy provider there. I was always fascinated by the, uh, I, I hope it's okay to mention, maybe they're not a competitor, but the, you know, when, when um, you know, Tesla provided the battery storage for, um, I think it was a whole state in Australia. Like there was like a yeah. tweet or something from like the, the governor of Queensland who said, oh, our, our energy infrastructure is falling apart. And you know, Tesla responded um, with like, we'll, "We'll we'll fix that in 100 days, or your money back," kind of deal. <laughs> right. But is that kind of energy storage and energy provision at that kind of scale something you guys are looking at? It, it is, yeah. So we do um, both energy energy storage and generation. Um, we have a number of different like hybrid uh, solutions, you could say. So we work with everything from. Um, solar to diesel and gas generators to battery storage um, with our with our Y cube which has been a really uh, I know a really a really great uh, new new solution that we've been um, rolling out here over the last uh, two years to our customers so um, yeah so we, we do that we do that a uh, full-scale model you know obviously um, you know both I think bad what we're seeing is that you know whether it's battery wind uh, you know a lot of these renew with a lot of the renewable technology while it's getting better uh, we still need to come you know we're still seeing that we still need to come in between and, and um, you know, help out when it's getting dark, for example, uh, when, you, when you can't use your solar or the wind dies down uh, and other, uh, some of those other factors. So we come into play to help to bridge the gap um, or, or, you know, to migrate, let's say, onto a different ener energy source or as that solution to be your energy source. So we, uh, we, we really have our, our solutions in a number of different facets. And just to sort of get into your area of speciality, which of course is the learning and training. When did, you know, XR spatial learning kind of come up on your radar? Because um, I guess, you know, traditional learning to some extent, you, you know, we've always been trying to immerse people in the content. We've just done it through the traditional means of, you know, video, um, PowerPoint, etc. So when did spatial uh, XR technologies as, um, as an option come onto, onto your horizon and, and where are you, where are they on this sort of organization's dial? Now, I know you've got stuff out of POC and into actual operations, but how's the sort of appetite been? Mm -hmm. How is the appetite and has COVID helped accelerate that in any way? Sure. Yeah. So sure. I guess there's, there's sort of two parts to that, right? So uh, first on um, when we started, uh, you know, when did we, when, when did we see that this that this technology was starting to become a real um, something that we could really start taking seriously? So we've started looking in uh, probably our in you know R and D phase. I guess it's been almost nearly three years now, two and a half years or so ago, uh, looking at both AR and VR, just you know looking at where they each were and where they each were with with maturity. Uh, I think one of the things that we were conscious of was we didn't we we wanted to get in at that right maturity point, right? Well, and I think there's two, there's two aspects to that. There's one 
there's the technology itself, you know, spatial tracking, eye recognition, you know, movement tracking, uh, depending on if you're using AR or VR, there's different levels of, of technology maturity in some of those uh, to give you that immersive experience, whether using one or the other. Uh, and then there's the other side of it um, that was really important for us, which is more like how mature is the authoring and the creation and, and the, the rapid development of some of these uh, experiences. And we knew that we sort of need to consider both facets, both that it's, it's at the right level for consumption and it's at the right level of maturity for creation. And uh, I think what, we, what we're seeing, especially now, is that now is the time where you have the maturity of both. So they're both aligned. They're both at, a, at that same maturity level where you can seamlessly experience, um, and, you know, experience this to, uh, a design uh, immersion, whether it's AR or VR. And you're getting, you're, you're, you can author it in a much more simplistic manner that now you can do a lot more without having to have a programmer for every single step. Um, so you're starting to see that uh, the, the codeless authoring, uh, drag and drop, conversion tools to help support with CAD, libraries or li libraries um, as well for, you know, for, for content you may not have. So in a very similar fashion that you've had uh, with 2D experiences where you've had 2D video libraries, 2D graphic libraries. So I think those factors are, are where we started to see really probably last year that now is the time for us to start, okay, we can go into it. It's at it where we know that, you know, with the investments we make, we felt like this is going to be something now we can grow with, um, and and it can meet sort of our resources where they are. Right, we wouldn't necessarily have to bring in a lot of additional resources. While we would we would need some additional uh, to focus on some of these critical some some areas, we wouldn't have to necessarily top up and hire, let's say, like a bunch of a, a, a team of programmers. Um, or, um, of, or, or 3D artists necessarily, we could start to reuse a lot of what we had, use some of our in, internal instructional design capabilities, et cetera, to start to uh, use some of these uh, tools out of the box. I think that's where we start, where we realize that really now is, the, now is that time where you can, you can go, you can deploy, and you can start upskilling, you could say, your, some of your existing resources on new, on new tools. Um, I think, um, and then as far as on, on, on the, uh, our internal side, as far as where we are at. So in the training team, we're a little further along uh, than some of the other teams, but we're seeing that the, 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 that we're in, in a number of different stages in a number of different groups. Uh, so we do have quite a few things running in parallel. Uh, so we're, you know, piloting on the remote, on the remote, uh, remote support, remote work instruction side uh, within operations. So they're going through pilots, really, really good feedback from that. On the training side, we've already sort of moved into deployment and we're more focused now on like building our library and expanding on AR uh, on, the, uh, on, the, on the training side. And we've had some really good um, uh, pieces of that uh, where I could probably talk, talk through a couple of different use cases as well here in a moment. Uh, and then um, uh, I think our, our engineering uh, team as well, where they're not quite a pilot yet, they're still, they're still a little bit more closer, I would say, uh, to R&D, where they're still trying to understand that full process, but they have tried, tried this out a few times um, for specific use cases and reviewing some of our products. So we're seeing a number of different, uh, of different areas um, start to build up and they're sort of at different points in the, in, in the different points in the process, whether for the pilot or deploying or expanding on deployment, sort of as we are now, um, sort of past deployment, and now we're really more in the expansion on training. Oh, so yeah, why don't you take us through a couple of those use cases? 
Sure. So um, within, I, I guess, an, a number of these use cases uh, were really COVID-driven. I'll have to, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to say uh, or give COVID a little credit for. I would have loved to take credit for them ourselves, but a lot of them were were driven uh, from from COVID. Um, so the first use case uh, was something that we planned, something we wanted to deploy was that uh, a full-scale, self-paced uh, AR experience. So. Uh, can take an example. They can uh, an employee can um, you know we have our, our compressor for a 16 yard compressor as an example. So they put they can put this uh, compressor in visually in front front of them. It's a full full scale digital replica of the compressor, and they can go through a number of activities to learn how to um, commission it, how to decommission it, uh, a number of different service procedures, as well as learn some things that we were actually not able to do before in a physical classroom like. Airflow, which is one that we're, um, which is an activity that we do show actually as an example in the compressor. So they can visually see how the air flows through the two-stage compression, how it gets hot, and then it heats up and when it's compressed, it gets cooler as it goes through the coolers, and then condensation's removed, and you'll see some maybe water coming out um, through that condensation um, activity during that during that uh, process. So not only are we able to show things that we were able to do but what did require travel or employ other employee downtime. Um, but we're now able to do on top of that, and, and those saves that we achieved from that, show things that we were just not able to really show without um, really significant investment in physical assets or additional physical com components that would be um, used just for training. Um, so that was, one of, that was our first um, one, the self-paced AR. The second one, is we have um, two, so when COVID hit, these other, the other two, all, all example, we have three use cases. So the other two, the first one um, is again, so as COVID hit, we, we had to go through this exercise, probably like a lot of other organizations, analyze, um, you know, what, what from our content that we're now, we're delivering face-to-face, -face, how much of that can or cannot be converted uh, to virtual and how much can we virtualize? So, and we, as we're going through those activities, you know, we, we were struggling to, to virtualize everything. Uh, we, there were just components where we felt like we, we, really need, we really need them to see this or understand this, this maybe even uh, component uh, visually. And uh, so what we've done, and I'll get, I always give the example of our uh, alternator and, alternators and schematics course. Uh, so they'll learn about um, power generation, the alter, like not your car alternator necessarily for your car battery, but the big alternators that generate lots of power. Um, so they'll learn about the different components of, of that alternator, alternator how, they, how they assemble, disassemble. So we've created a AR activity that can be used during the virtual instructor like class as a, as a sort of break. So you can break off, all right, go into this activity, mm. Put the AR experience on your desk, and there you can you can assemble, disassemble. It has parts and parts uh, and component identification, and uh, look at that activity then on your desk. And it's very similar to what they would have done in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So in the classroom, they would have had a physical, an extra physical alternator there to show these components and to show these um, these uh, parts, parts and components and, and assembly. Uh, now they can do look at the same thing. Um, as a digital activity during that virtual instructor line. Then um, I guess on the th third example and our last example is on our practical um, uh, practical activity. So actually some of our hands-on. And uh, so in this example, 
We have one that uh, we have one that we've created for this that was just approved actually here just last week. <laughs> so really, really recently, this one's really hot off the press. Um, so we've been we've uh, we've designed a, um, a a virtual gas assembly that replicates our existing uh, uh, physical gas assembly that we had that was used for our what we call our gas safety training internally so this is sort of the minimum requirement um, for an employee to go through before they're going on a gas site so this is like the fundamentals of gas you know how to work safely with it you know how to identify a leak um, and although you may not be performing um, the maintenance or repairs on it you know how to work work safely identify leaks etc right so, so if you know the fundamentals working safely on a gas site well one of those activities um, during that training uh, that we were that we were struggling to virtualize was the practical. There's actually a practical activity where you put that gas, you'll, you'll go to that gas assembly. Uh, the gas assembly will have gauges on it, and you'll have a device that you can use to measure for leaks. And we'd actually simulate, have different simulations where we'd simulate the leak being in different places on that physical assembly. So now going back to now we have to virtualize this. We've virtualized that assembly. Um, so that they see a single assembly. Also, before we used to have like three or four different sets of pipes. Now it's a single assembly that depending on the scenario they choose, it will reconfigure itself. So it looks like one configuration, but it actually can have different, you know, errors or different, um, uh, different, different errors in different places to help to, to ensure that we're, we're not putting everyone sort of through the same thing. There's sort of multiple variations of the simulation. And um, they'll place that, they can place that in their environment. And the, 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 the additional piece that we brought in with this one is though, that while the student is looking at um, that AR experience and going through it, the instructor can see what they're seeing. So they'll use a remote um, AR and they'll remote in with that student and they'll watch them go through, um, go through that, uh, those tasks, go through those actions, uh, as well as they'll ask them questions and challenge them occasionally as they're going through. Uh, if they ask them, um, you know, well, what if the, the, um, the compression value on this side changed uh, on this gauge compared to the on the other side, what would that mean, right? Well, it'd mean that there's a leak in this direction or whatever, so it's probably on this set of pipes. Um, so they'll ask them questions as well along the way, but that's allowed us to then, um, to then now re recontinue, obviously, our gas training and actually add, adding in that practical element. Um, and as I, I mentioned earlier on, actually, it was recently um, recently signed off by some of our partners. So we work with um, LCL and um, SGAS, who are both out of the UK, uh, to help us in um, standardizing this and, and ensuring that we're, um, that we're you know, maintaining that level of quality, et cetera, in our delivery. And they uh, certify our employees based off of uh, the these, these signed off delivery methods. Right. And they'd recent, recently signed off on uh, delivering uh, this virtual version of our gas safety password, like I said, for our entry level. Um, for our entry level gas safety um, and using the AR activity as a practical. Yeah, that's so, great. Uh, that's great to hear that it's actually sort of hitting certification stage. That's kind of a, you know, real important milestone. It is. Yes. That was a, it was a real critical one for us. So um, yeah, we're really excited about that. We like said, we just, this, this is sort of fresh off the press. So we're really a uh, brand new news. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're really excited now about, um, uh, about having having this now in place to, uh, to, what, what, to get the rest who, of our who was that you who was that you certified with? You said they were out of the UK. Yeah, so we work with uh, S Gas mm. and um, LCL is the certifying body. They used to be called uh, Logic, uh, but they're now LCL. 
And uh, when you were talking about the uh, AR breakout piece, like in the remote learning, I can really see how that works. You know, lots of learning got to be done in this way via Zoom or Teams. Uh, and then just have a little 15 minute breakout where people get to go and play with the AR model. That sounds right. like a really great use of, of the technology. Yes, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, we're really just seeing how this is able to, um, yeah, to, to, to close that gap on, on that, that we had in the virtual delivery, right? I mean, part of the challenges even before COVID on why things weren't being fully converted to virtual, although we felt like a good chunk of the content could be virtualized, was these practical elements and getting over that hurdle um, and still having that physical requirement. And uh, while we don't have it, it's not necessarily a one-to-one -one everywhere, I think that we have a number of great use cases where we do see you know, parts and component identification, assemblies and disassemblies, that's an activity that we can virtualize That's an, you know, compared to something we did in the classroom. Uh, so we are seeing this play out, sort of, like I said, in a number of, uh, in a number of areas um, that really, like I said, helps us reduce that that need for having everything, you know, so, so much face to face, and we can relieve that and really focus on that high level, that that higher level stuff um, uh, for the moment as we transition. Yeah, good to hear. And what are the the greatest sort of technical challenges in your work? Um, ooh, technical challenges. Um, I would say um, the one piece that I would say that we we still, um, I don't know, it's not necessarily a technical challenge, but it's still quite a time-consuming activity uh, that I would look to see, I know I look to see, um, you know, some optimization in is um, as we go through, we, you know, we, we start with one of the baselines that we, that we put is um, that for our bigger, our bigger experiences like the self-paced where it's, it's an entire product, we, we've been prioritizing that based off of what our engineering teams have available already. Um, so we'll prioritize it based off their CAD models. One of the um, activities that can be pretty, um, you know, time, somewhat time consuming and sometimes quite tedious is converting that to something that can then, you know, from this big CAD model that's on a, you know, fancy, you know, high, high end PC <laughs> that's ran on a fancy higher end PC uh, using some of these engineering software to something that can then be rendered and displayed, et cetera, on a, uh, on a mobile device. Um, I think we're, see we're seeing, uh, obviously, enhancement in that space, but I think that's something I think we currently we currently need to probably focus a little bit more on uh, that we have a, the, as a little bit of a slow point is getting that CAD ready, right? So um, as you're, you know, and, and bringing it in because it needs to be, you know, down converted to be, you know, a much smaller um, file size and, um, and, uh, and polygon count, et cetera, so that it works on, on some, of these, um, some of these devices that are detached uh, from PCs. And what do you feel the, uh, the greatest opportunities in your field are? Ooh, opportunities. Um, I think there's, a, there's a lot of opportunities out there. Um, yeah, I think, I think that some of the bigger upper, upper opportunities uh, that I would say are, are on our, our customer facing side. Um, I think we still have, there, there's some really, really big opportunities um, there. Um, and whether it's in, you know, even in, in a, an existing customer and we're just, you know, just wanting to, uh, you know, better display or better showcase how our equipment's performing at a specific site or what an expansion might look like extending maybe on and adding more kit or expanding a solution um, to, or even if it's a brand new customer and we're just even demonstrative. Uh, I think there's really some, uh, some big opportunities there for helping to visualize uh, what we're offering, helping them, 
uh, spatially understand what that means for a footprint, uh, as there can be a physical footprint to our solutions. Uh, so understanding, you know, well, that, you know, how much space may or may not be required, etc. Um, so I think there's that that's a, a real um, a big piece. I'd say that, that, that has the potential to be a, a big opportunity. I'd say for us uh, going forward. So yeah, if you can give me a bit more detail on that. So you're talking about the expandability of learning modules or just the ability to kind of for the no user? i would say more as i'd say more as utilizing these solutions um i mean yes i would say expanding our our, our learning modules as well um but i would say more from a, a, a sales probably sales and customer uh service type rep, uh, 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 sales and customer service perspective. So whether it's existing customers and they're requesting to add on top up, uh, but helping them understand more of, more of our solutions footprint as well as performance. You have equipment and you can see how it's performing just looking out in your uh, out into your space on, and looking at the products that we've sent you. Um, so I think there that's I think that's where we're going to see um, some really like I said some real real big opportunities in. Um, allowing our, our customers to be, to benefit from a little bit more, even higher level of transparency, higher level of understanding onto what we're offering. Got you. And is there a project you can talk about that changed your approach to your field? Perhaps that's just not in, a, it doesn't have to be in XR, but is, is, there, is there a project you're involved with that really changed the way you thought about best way for people to train and learn or um, build on, you know, perhaps accidents that happened or improvements that had happened? Um, yeah, um, I mean, I think one of the, um, hmm, I'm just trying to think of one of the ones we can mention. I mean, so, so, I mean, our initial drive for, um, you know, pre COVID, uh, now we've had slightly different ROIs, let's put it that way, um, compared to what, you know, the, the, the case and the ROI we were, we were looking at before COVID. Um, so pre COVID, uh, one of the things, um, our, our focus was on, and it, like I said, it's, it's still, still an advantage, but obviously equipment downtime. So, um, there's a, you know, obviously a cost in having equipment sitting in a training center versus within operations. Uh, there's, and, um, and, I, and there's a, you know, not just that it's sitting there, but it's also getting maintained, getting service, et cetera. Um, but behind assets and availability as well. So there's a lot of logistics that goes into that, uh, planning to schedule something to be sent to a training center or, or dedicated to it, uh, moved around between operations and, and training. So that was a piece that we, we had looked at initially. It was part of our initial, um, part of our use case for getting this started, um, was you know minimizing the downtime of equipment, uh, time and training, allowing also more access. So we don't necessarily have fleet this, that, the same exact fleet everywhere our fleet will move around quite a bit depending on customers needs and um so if you're say you're at a um i mean as our our, our compressors it was a good example that one um may there may a new a technician might come into a depot and they may not have uh, a compressor at that particular depot uh, at that time and maybe they have to wait uh for one to rotate through um or the first time they they'd see it maybe in training. So having it readily available allows them to get that familiarization, be ready, be, be ready, um, allow them to learn about those products, how even compression, um, compressed air works, uh, as I talked about the two-stage piece, uh, e even before ever arriving on a customer site, ever arriving in the training center, they have that option now to, to own their own development, if, if you would, and prepare themselves uh, without being dependent on others um, to, help, to, be, to help them for them. 
Gotcha. And, and, and how, how have your ROIs changed now with, uh, with COVID coming along? What's, um, what's the effect on the business been? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I'd say that there's, it, we, we definitely have had a shift. I mean, I gave even the examples that, I, that I'd given. I mean, those are, um, they're more of a must do. It's more of, we can't deliver this unless we find another way, unless we're using this technology. I think that, um, you know, looking at how we are, it, like, like I said, I mean, whether it's the gas, even that, the, our, our gas um, safety training, that one, um, we weren't able to send new technicians to these two gas sites. So we had a bit of a, a hold or a delay in, in sending folks to sites because there, there, we didn't have that physical option. You know, we couldn't put a bunch of people in a classroom and have them together, uh, even if they were wearing masks and we had all these safety considerations. Um, there was still the travel restriction and everything else on top of it that's just come with this pandemic. So having that in place is now actually just allow us to even resume business uh, you could say uh, for that from that aspect a new employee comes on they can go through it and they can go and then they can go on that site uh, and we know that they're going to go there and have an understanding of how to work safely um, on the gas site so i think this is it, it's allowed us to resume i, I you know well great so i mean has that given your department a, a, a tailwind you know, when I talk to people uh, about the, you know, the effect on uh, uh, remote XR tools, I, I certainly feel it's given us a, a, a hefty tailwind, you know, perhaps that might have taken three to five years to achieve organically. Yeah, definitely. I, I, that, that is true. I think there's a, a lot of um, aspects of, we have, we have a number of different aspects, I'd say, of digital technology that we've seen, um, you know, expedited in maturity and, and um adoption right um due to covid uh yeah it, it has i think it's given us um definitely some tailwind some um i think it's, it's put us really um like i said i'm help i help i lead this more or less in the or in, in i lead this in the organization so um it's helped us become more of that coe i could say for some of the, the technology and the technology uses um and you know start to drive help i think it's not just dry, driven and helped us with our use cases but we're seeing this as a knock-on effect that it's gonna, it helps and build the use cases and understanding of the technology for other, helps in building the understanding and the application of the technology for other use cases. So yes, it's helping us as a training team, but not just there, I'd say now with, with this level of understanding that now people are getting with how this plays a part into what we do and how we service our customers, train our employees, um, it's helping to build up the case for you know digital work instructions in the field, remote uh, support, etc. These other use cases um, that um, th that we have um, that this is I think helping to build bring our organization to a level of maturity to have a much different conversation about those uh, use cases. Excellent. So yeah, perhaps you're you're not just being looked at as the as the tra training department, right? So you know the bottom line is always the bottom line, and that's what drives sure. a business. Uh, and then when all of a sudden your department or your knowledge base helps in some regards rescue that bottom line or provide a lifeboat or a strategy for that bottom line being maintained, then, um, you know, you, you certainly go up the ladder of priorities. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah we're seeing that a lot. Um, what, and what are you curious about right now in the technology space, uh, which can be in, in, you know, your learning um, training world or perhaps broader than that? I think, um, I mean, one piece, it's a, it's a little broader than that. I think that I'm, I, but I, I'm, 
I'm really anxious to see how this all, how this plays out because I think we've seen this also grow um, not just in the enterprise use but in the you know in in commercial use you know we've well seen the Facebook and the popularity of Quest and um, I've I've even attended I don't know how many alt space VR webinars <laughs> that uh, that are that are now taking place and on the back of not having anywhere to host an event so. I'm really, I'm really looking for, um, for, for watching that, uh, the social acceptance, you could say, of some of this technology externally. I think that's going to really drive a lot of the uh, enterprise use cases is that mm. the more socially acceptable it is, the more um, people see this used as a day-to-day -day technology. Mm. Um, I think you see some of it, obviously, with, with we, we've had the, you know, the Instagram and other filters out there for, for a while now. But I think we're really starting to see, you know, a much more pull, especially on the VR space. When you look at, like I said, the examples I gave of, of Quest and the popularity uh, of it. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's an area that I think is starting to mature a lot rapidly, possibly than expected. Even, I mean, with, on the back, I think, uh, of COVID, uh, quite a bit of it. Um, and uh, I think I'm really anxious to see now that uh, start to grow, uh, grow even further which in turn, I see that as benefiting um, adoption and maturity of, uh, for, for enterprise um, as well. Uh, we'll see, we'll see um, new devices um, starting to you know, get smaller and slimmer uh, and like I said, more and more acceptable. And uh, I think we'll, we'll see this, the solutions um, becoming even more and more uh, advanced and, and immersive and interactive um, on the tail of that. So. I have to say the, the the Quest 2 announcement kind of caught me slightly by surprise. You know, if someone was asking me, you know, March, April this year, when's the next Quest device out? I, would, I wouldn't have said this year. I would have said, you know, beginning Q1, Q2 next year. So I'm quite happy to stick my hand up and say that rapid advance in hardware iteration mm -hmm. um, caught me slightly by surprise. And... Obviously, when I heard the rumors of Quest 2, I, I, I did wonder whether it was just going to be like a, a lighter, cheaper version. Mm -hmm. But it's lighter, cheaper, I mean, more powerful. You know, they're right. kind of like hit, <laughs> hit every, yes, um, every, every box, right? possible area and then drop the price. You know, I mean, an astounding kind of product release. Um, it is. I mean, I, I think it's what the industry needs at this point, right? I mean, uh, I think it was... It was great of Facebook. I mean, they're, they're obviously looking at the long term, right? Um, I, I think with that release and they know that if they can make these, you know, short term advances uh, rapidly that they'll, it's going to play out uh, in, you know, big, big on the long term. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to be grateful for, for Facebook. They're really, um, you know, they are pushing it forward at pace, you know, the, uh, the iterations. Are. I mean, I'm really looking forward. I obviously got my, my quests uh, coming. I'm looking forward to seeing how that, you know, with that resolution bump, I mean, because it's some real, real basic things, just like text leg legibility, you know, whereas if, yeah. we, if we start mm -hmm. to get into a world where smaller point text is, is generally readable without it being a bit of a pain or a struggle or having to reposition oneself, mm -hmm. then that becomes really quite significant. Yeah. So yeah, you've touched on, um, how if almost if there's like a bottom up growth with VR, like if people just start using it, um, then it will move, it'll become just a tool that, you know, mm -hmm. how we've seen um, consumer led 
hardware and software really kind of lead enterprise um, yeah. for the last, I think it's fair to say last certainly seven years, perhaps five years, um, you know, enterprise always used to be the leader in, um, in almost, you know, in, in soft technologies, obviously enterprise still has the lead when it comes to gas compression and energy storage, but in terms of how we communicate and how we interact and interface with each other around the information, um, consumer level tools are certainly driving that. Yeah, I'd I'd say that, I mean, to me, it feels almost like that trend, like we're transitioning. I don't know if it's a fair, really a fair comparison, but it's almost, to me, it's more of the the BlackBerry, shifting from your your BlackBerry to your your iPhone, right? So Mm. we're shifting from something that was quite enterprise focused. I had my email, I had my text, I had everything I needed in the BlackBerry, right, for my business communications. And now I'm shifting to something I could do a lot more with. I'm like, oh, wait, I can now I have apps for everything. Uh, I can do all these other things and actually have do all these other things that actually my computer was doing. Um, so I'm starting to relieve it. And I think that's where we're shifting is that VR is starting to, you know, replace, it's going to, it's starting to replace a lot of those things, those activities we would have done, um, not just interactively face to face, but bringing elements of communication that um, we would have had in Zoom or, um, and we would have had in Teams or, or Microsoft Teams or other places. Um, so yeah, I think it's 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 really it's really a, 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 a exciting time to be honest. Yeah. So you've talked about VR. You talked about VR quite enthusiastically there, but I think in terms of the actual training examples you've talked about, they've all been AR based. So, uh, yeah, we are. We have been primarily uh, focused on uh, AR, and a lot of that uh, for hardware investments really. Um, so AR just allowed, allowed us to reach all these devices immediately. Um, I think we, we do see that that next step, um, the, the evolution of what we're doing now is that transition into VR. Once we get that, that full immersion, you're, 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 you keep that, you know, 100% focus. Um, yeah, I think we, we do see VR coming. Um, but yeah, like Rick said, AR has been that lever that we could, we could pull right now, um, get started with everything that we, infrastructure we already had, um, didn't have to worry about any, any of that. And um, I think the other pieces on AR is, uh, we do see, like I said, I, I mentioned us helping with some of those other use cases in the business. Mm. So one of the levers that, that, you know, like operations can use is, well, we've got all this existing training and you know what, a good chunk of that training is, 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 is somewhat work instruction based. It's very process, it's process driven. It's explaining how to do things on a particular piece of equipment. Um, so some of that can actually be even get multiple uses. We can fairly simplistically convert, you know, some of what we've created for training and take out elements of those and say, well, this is now going to be on the product in the field. And now you point it at the, at the product and you do it on the product rather than, rather than um, on this fully digital one, which is where we started. Mm. Um, I think we found the fully digital one is sort of our foundation to expanding more into that direction. Mm. Um, I think some of this fully digital is also a, a, a good foundation to expanding then when we want to go even more immersive and have a larger world, you could say, that we'll have at least some of those underlying components already built. Yeah, and in terms of you know, you know dealing with some of the enterprise companies in the UK, there was a big move to, um, about five years ago again, uh, you know, to, to bring your own device, which I think was yeah. just echoing that everyone at home had better devices than they were being provided with <laughs> at work. So it was very uh, magnan- magnanimous of these huge organizations to go, hey, we've got a, and they spent a lot of money on these uh, communications programs. They're like, hey, bring your own device. <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> right. when you think about it, is um, 
well, it's funny in a lot of ways. You know, you could say, hey, that's cheap. But, um, you know, obviously there are security requirements and it's not a straightforward thing to, sure. to incorporate. Um, did, in, your, in, in Agreco, did, you, did they have a similar sort of bring your own device? I mean, do you see people, perhaps if there's a proliferation of quests over the next 18 months, mm -hmm. do you think that would be something that's entertained of bring your own device or perhaps, a, you know, a discount program? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, yeah, we do have the we do have a mix of um, of corporate plus uh, BYOBs now, obviously on the mobile side. Uh, I think you know, bring your own headset. I don't know how we. Yeah, I guess bring your. It's still a device, right? So I guess yeah. we put on BYOD. Uh, it falls in there. Um, but yeah, if you bring bringing your own VR headset, uh, I mean, it's a really interesting interesting subject. I think one we haven't uh, quite thought through. But uh, yeah, I, I mean. I think we can all expect that there's going to be a very similar path um, as some of these other devices, right? And we're going to have to have, um, you know, a mixed mix support model, and I, a, you know, whether it, there's going to be enterprise issued um, and then there's going to be, um, like you said, the ones that you bring yourself. So uh, if you, you maybe have a, a enterprise one that's on loan and you have a, you, or you can bring your own that, that is yours uh, that you, you take with you. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Uh, something I think we haven't thought of, but it's definitely, I think the, the next, that that's the next step. And with what we mentioned on Facebook's launch, uh, you know, a better, faster and cheaper uh, quest. Yeah. then I think that we're starting to build that foundation uh, for some of these conversations then um, that, you know, and, and, ta and tackling these things in a different way. Sure. Cool. Well, let's go slightly off uh, VR training, uh, XR sure. training, and learn a little bit more about uh, Walter. Have you got any book recommendations? Oh, <laughs> book recommendations. Yeah. I feel like my my COVID time spent a little, spent a little bit. I spent too much time in Netflix. Um, <laughs> but um, oh or, or, gosh. Or, or good net. We can move on to Netflix. Good Netflix shows. But I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna hold you to books. Uh, you're gonna hold me to books. Oh goodness. Um, gosh, I really have not been um, reading. I'd say I'm a big um, I'm a big blog and etc. Reader. Uh, I haven't really read. I don't. Know That's right. I'll cut you some. I'll cut you some slack then. What do, what What are your blogs you like to read? Oh yeah. There's. I mean, there's a few people I I do um, I do like to keep an eye on and, and sort of watch uh, what they're doing. Um, there's, uh, I do love watching the folks over there at, um, at Exxon. I've always, I always love watching what they put out of some of the things that they're doing. At where? Um, over at Exxon. Uh, I do right. like watching Kyle or, or M yes. and those folks. They, they're always doing some amazing, amazing things. And they, I think they have some great um, thought leadership too is in, on the direction of some of the technology. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's other other folks. I do. There's a number of channels, I guess you could say that I that I follow. Whether it's um, whether it's X, XR for 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 business, or it's um, I mean, there's a lot number of which is I guess you could say like Alan's um, Alan's uh, a group that I, I follow that one pretty heavily. Um, and then, oh gosh, I, there's so there's so many. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think. There's, there's just so there's so many. I'm trying to try to think through my feed right now. Um, oh gosh, um, I, I even get I even get my my newsletter, which I, I really need to probably go dig out and say who who writes that. But they also do a great roundup. Um, it's not oh, it's not innovate AR. What is it? Um, 
It's Innovate UK, but that you probably yeah. Get. Maybe I think that, I know that's one. There's another one. Uh, actually, I have I subscribe to their newsletter as well, um, and they usually have a pretty good brief sort of summary for the week, if you would, uh, of what sort of to try to keep it keep in the know. Um, there's a uh, there is a gentleman. Um, I'm horrible with names now, Tim. So uh, there's a gentleman over at Eighth Wall that I do follow as well that he puts out quite a oh, bit. Oh yeah, of they've done some really interesting stuff, haven't they? Yeah, so they they've done some some interesting things. Just and bought just bought by Niantic. Really, I don't know yeah. that I'd heard that. Wow, yeah. that's new. I think that's I right. Let me I must just, have missed that news. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me just uh, check that. But um, yeah, so I, I there, there's a number. I I will have to say for XR XR contacts information on what's happening. I LinkedIn. I will have to say is probably. I rely on that network for the majority of my communication. And that's usually where, um, where I'll find out about what's coming on. VRARA, I am a member of VRARA as yeah. well. I do use that space uh, and that community. Um, I know that they, they, they have a number of different committee, committees that, uh, that I'll, I'll participate in. Are you on any of the committees there? Yeah, I was, um, I participate in them. I'm not uh, chairing any at the moment, um, mm -hmm. but I do participate in the enterprise and the training uh, committees and, I, I, and VR for good. I do enjoy listening to all the, the, the great ways for the, the good humanity ways that we use this technology. Um, that one's I always find is an, has interesting sessions. Um, yeah, so. And oh I no, guess, it, it wasn't eighth wall, it was 6D. Yes. Board. Okay. Yeah. 60, 60.ai, right? 60.ai. Yeah. Or something. So, yeah. yeah. Right. So, and then I think, I guess the last one I'd met industrial XR form, obviously I've, I've, I'm, I've sat on the, um, on the, the board for that one. Uh, and they also do, um, but they, have, they also have great stuff going on at all very, you know, and for the industrial space where, um, that plays out a lot too. Do you guys, um, do, you, use it. do you guys ever do like photogrammetry scanning of your sites? Um, yeah, we do those on, on occasion, not every site. Uh, mm. We will have some done. It's not usually post site. Usually we'll use that for scans on things we need to put in so mm -hmm. before pre-installation. Uh, we've done some of that. We have done that on occasion, um, but not, um, it's, um, it's not necessarily a fixed part of our solution, but yes, we've used, um, you know, we've done also like um, everything from scans to also drone flyovers, etc., yeah. um, to help to uh, play the footprint for designing uh, the installation. Okay, I've got, I've got another Walter the Man type question now. It is: If you had a hundred million to spend on a social program and no red tape, how would you spend it? Oh my gosh, a hundred million to spend on any social program and no red tape. Oh goodness. Um, hmm. Mm -hmm -hmm. I'm hmm. so many, um, I'm balancing it out to, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put it all into one bucket. I think, uh, right. I think that I would, um, I think I'd invest it back into and probably split out to a number of those focus on, uh, bettering education, I, I would say, um, whether it's something in um, VR education, VR for education. I know there's another one actually. I just actually, um, 
that they had just a gentleman from the UK speaking on it. Um, but yeah, whether it was uh, the VR for education or something similar, I, I would look into those spaces um, to spend my cash to help with our um, younger folks and uh, use of technology and understanding, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think also just, just even just to enhance, in, enhancing learning, I think really um, development of that next generation. So you, you put it into, into education. Yeah, education. Yeah, education is the key. I do free wakeboarding for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> free wakeboarding. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, great. I mean, are there any other um, any other bits of technology coming that you've sort of seen via your your LinkedIn surfing that have really caught your eye? Um, I think how do you, 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 you feel about neural link things like that? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say it's like the wearable pieces outside of just the headset and the visual. It's the other pieces, right? The neural link, the hand, the, the, these other, you know, the suit, Tesla suit. Obviously, they've been around now for a little while. Um, but I think it's those kinds of things where you're getting, um, you know, biometric readings or muscular readings, et cetera, movement um, on, you know, outside of visual or eye tracking and hearing. Um, I think those are those are those look interesting and really be interested to see how those uh, play out. Um, the neural tracking, I don't know that I'd go there. That one's I, I'm still a little I'm I'll put I'm on the fence with that one. I'm uh, I think there's we still have a ways to go. Uh, I think we need to see that uh, successful in quite a few uh, use cases before we ever. Uh, yeah, I certainly wouldn't be the first in line to test mm -hmm. that. I certainly wouldn't be the first in line. No, no, I, I wouldn't either. I would no. not. I wouldn't be either. No, I mean, you know, interesting. I, I guess for you know some people who are immobilized, you know, if it can help cure with motor motor issues or yeah, definitely right. issues, mental issues, then sure. and it's going to give you a better quality of life. Then I presume those are the first type sure. of sort of deployments um, that are going to going to happen. But yeah, it's okay. uh, it's 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 interesting is it scary i mean it's just that sort of thing moving at that kind of pace you know um yeah i guess i, f I find it a, a little unsettling um to mm -hmm. see like hey now you know we've done electric cars now we're doing neural links and um <laughs> so wow okay that's 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 all moving pretty electric self-driving cars right so <laughs> electric say so exactly got those to figure out first all right walter it's been a real pleasure talking to you and uh, great to catch up again and thank you very, very much for, for, for joining us on this episode of Building New Realities. No worries. Thanks for having me.